Do you need help with your journey following Jesus? Has your Bible reading brought up some interesting questions? Um, I, I need a prayer request. Is I've heard um, pastors talk about you can't get to heaven just with good deeds. I was just wondering what you guys think. Is, the, is there a correlation between the seventh trumpet and Revelations as the last trumpet, or is he talking about some other trumpet? Finally, a place to get answers. We're ready to take your prayer request and answer your Bible questions. Call in at 303-690-3000. Let's join Calvary Live right now. Hey, good afternoon, everyone, and welcome to today's edition of Calvary Live. My name is Ed Taylor, taking your calls and your questions. 303-690-3000 is the number. 303-690-3000 is the number. Glad you joined me this afternoon. We are here in the studios of Grace FM. Welcome to everyone tuning in up and down the front range from Cheyenne, Wyoming, down into Colorado Springs. Uh, We're grateful to be a part of your life. Of course, if you're listening on Grace FM, this is a live broadcast. If you're listening on Truth FM or Hope FM or a low-power FM station from one of our friends and ministry partners, uh, you're hearing this program one week delayed. But let me explain what that means. What that means is while the program's on, you can still call us. So please do call us. Uh, We will be here taking your questions. We'll answer it live. Uh, We'll answer it on the air. And then here's the cool thing. If you're listening on Truth FM or Grace, or excuse me, Truth FM or Hope FM, or another station uh, that is connected to your local congregation or you know another FM station, which we're on many, uh, you'll hear the program one week later. So you can tune in next week and hear yourself on the radio, which is kind of cool. So this is, if you're new to the program, this is the, this is the program where you call in, we pray together, we talk together, uh, we do answer Bible questions. It's not necessarily a heavy Bible answer man type show, although obviously any question or any issue that comes up will be answered using the Bible. And uh, we will use the Bible together, uh, growing in God's grace and, and just being built up in the Lord together. So give us a call, 303-690-3000, 303-690-3000. The beginning of the program is always the best uh, because that's when the lines are open. Uh, so give us a call, 303-690-3000, 303-690-3000, and let's join together on the air. You can text me at 720 720- Seven two zero three three six zero eight nine seven seven two zero three three six zero eight nine seven. Taking your calls and your questions, and I see already uh, we have phone calls coming in. So let's go to the phone lines, and we will. Um, Come over to Rudy in Denver, Colorado. Rudy, welcome to the program. Thank you. How's it going? It's going great, bro. What's up? All right. I just have a question about, you know, the great name of, uh, you know, Jesus. And yes. how and why so many 
Latinos, you know, carry that name of Jesus and not Jesus itself. And and I've heard other names from the Bible, you know, Matthew, all of these names, Luke and John. And, uh, but I never hear the, the first name of Jesus. And I mean, being baptized when I was younger as a child, you know, yeah. my godparents gave me the name of uh, uh, Jesus for, you know, my baptismal name. And I'm honored, but I'm not worthy of his name. But it's not Jesus, it's Jesus. And I just wondered why so many Latinos, you know, I just say, if, if, how, how does that go by? I, mean, I never don't hear any other, you know, Jesus Smith or anything like that. Just, <laughs> I'm just Latinos that, you know, that carry the name of Jesus, and it's not no, Jesus. Good. Like I said, it's Jesus. Well, that's a great observation you make. I know many of them are Catholic. It is a Catholic thing, I I would say. I mean, we don't know for sure, but I I like the way you ask it. You know, why isn't there any Jesus um, uh, Smiths? And right away, that that prompted a thought that, well, mostly within the Hispanic community, there's a strong emphasis from Roman Catholicism that would explain that in and of itself. And, you know, the reason it's Jesus is because that's the pronunciation in Spanish. Uh, right. Just like in any any other language within Hebrew, he would be known as Yeshua. Uh, and at the same time, you say, why aren't there any Jesus Smiths? There aren't any Yeshua. I haven't met a Yeshua Smith. I'm sure there are. Like, so we're not, I'm sure maybe there's even someone listening in that says, yeah, I know one, but it's not common. Uh, because you're going to have a name that's associated, first of all, with with your nationality, and second of all, most likely with your language. Okay. Uh, and so it's the same name, but it's pronounced within a particular way within a language. Uh, and you would not be uh, in any way wrong if your name is Jesus to call yourself Jesus. Not obviously not the Jesus of the Bible, but to walk in his footsteps and carry his name. You certainly could do that. Right. Okay. Well, I feel good about that because, I mean, uh, yeah, I was, you know, what when they dedicate a child, you know, into yes. baptismal. Yeah. To keep the, you know, it's a promise and a vow of the Lord. Yeah. And uh, I'm following Jesus. I'm not very great. Very good. They, they, uh, you know, they, they kept, they kept me there, and when I left the Lord and started drugs, gang banging, drinking, and all that, yeah. I, uh. You know, I left the church, then I came back, and she was still there, and open hands, and I'm glad you're back, son, and I got her, and she was, she was, and I kind of always wondered, I have yeah. this, you know, I'm not worthy, I don't feel worthy, but that makes me feel good. No, that's good. That's a great question. I appreciate you calling today. Well, thank you. All right, bye-bye. bye-bye. Thank you. 303-690-3000, and I know uh, it was in passing but you think about what God saved him out of and and what our brother got involved in. And, you know, you might be even praying for someone that's backsliding right now. Your, your son or daughter, uh, your mom or dad perhaps just aren't where they need to be, where they used to be. And here Rudy, you know, he grows up, grows up with, with influence of, of Christianity in his life, decides to go off and do his own thing, and even to the point of gangbanging and living a life that serves himself and and yet even in that God calls him to himself calls him to himself so encouraging we're going to move on to Lakewood Colorado Deborah welcome to the program hi hi thank you for having me you're welcome yes pastor I I've been going to church but I haven't been in like a month or two okay and um recently I I got sick 
like um I've been having like bad tummy ache, I guess anxiety. I just want you to pray and give me strength. Okay, let's do that. Get closer to the Lord because I, I know God loves me and I love Him. I would love to do that, Father. I pray for my sister as she uh, wrestles with this stomach issue and you know just the um, you know the 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 difficulty of what it is to not be in fellowship and just kind of feel distant and and just kind of feel in a place where uh, she's isolated. But now she's sick, uh, and I pray that you would. Um, you know, fill her, Lord, afresh with your Holy Spirit and reveal your reveal your presence to her, Lord, that she would just sense your great love for her and 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 her need to to trust you with her life, Lord. And I pray, according to your word, it says that uh, you de- describe yourself as Jehovah Rapha, the God who heals. And so I pray you would be known to my sister as Jehovah Rapha, the God who heals. In Jesus' name, Amen. Thank you so much, Pastor. Thank you. God bless you. All righty. Bye-bye. Bye. 303-690-3000 is the number. Uh, we're taking your calls and your questions, and all the lines are wide open. So if you've ever wanted to be on the air, uh, we, either with my friend Nick Katie or my friend Jeff Figs, or even with me, uh, now is the time to come on the air. Uh, we'd love to have you be a part of the program. And if you can't call, you can always text uh, the text lines are wide open, and they only work during the show. Uh, we do see people occasionally tes- texting during the day and te- you know, texting test messages and such, but it only works during the show. Uh, and it's wide open. The text line has been turned on, 720-336-0897. And I see some phones ringing. Uh, our producers processing them while we wait for that. I want to remind you that we are in the book of Daniel in our week, weekly midweek Bible study tonight. We're finishing up chapter 7 as we've just entered into the prophetic part of Daniel. Daniel is the key to Bible prophecy, and it is a very important book in understanding the unfolding pattern of God prophetically. And I want to invite you to come on out. Uh, midweek Bible study here is amazing. I love our Wednesday nights. In a larger church, it can be difficult sometimes to maintain unity and intimacy and closeness. And one of the ways that we do that, besides our small groups here, is our our Wednesday night service. And in our Wednesday night service, we we really use Acts 2.42 as the model. So we break bread together, communion's available. And as soon as we we're going to start serving meals together again soon, uh, as soon as the Lord leads us to a solution for that, because our, we have a, a third-wave coffee house downstairs, so we have snacks and and we have uh, coffee, but we haven't gone back. We used to do meals on Wednesday nights. Uh, we'll do that soon enough, but at any rate, um, we have uh, a time of communion. We have a time of fellowship, and one of the things I've been noticing on Wednesday nights is people are just not leaving right away. They're sticking around to encourage one another, to pray with one another, to be built up in one another, uh, and we fellowship together. We also study the Bible. We're in the book of Daniel, so we study the Bible together, and we we worship together. We pray together. Uh, it's a neat night, and we do all that within an hour and a half. We have full Bible study for your kids all the way through junior high. Because we view the high schoolers as adults and young adults, uh, we encourage them to serve. We encourage them to be a part of their church family. 
our high school ministry meets on Saturdays, uh, and they have their own service there. But the importance of seeing the seeing people grow in grace um, is important. So come on out. We start at seven o'clock. Calvary Church in Aurora is on Hampton, just east of Tower Road. You guys on the East Coast, if you don't have a midweek Bible study in your own church, you can always join us online. Download our free app. Just go to the App Store, wherever you download apps. Put in the name Ed Taylor, and our app will pop up. It's free. Connects you with our church. Every Bible study, almost every Bible study I've ever taught here at church, uh, and more information than you probably need is on that app. Uh, enough to connect you with our church and keep you uh, encouraged in the things of the Lord. All right, we got open lines, 303-690-3000. Before I get to the next call, I want to answer this question. What does the Bible say about suing someone that owes you money over $1,500? Well, that's a good question. Um, The Bible is pretty clear on this matter, uh, but sometimes we misunderstand the passage and so I want to bring some clarity to it. Uh, if, if you text this in and you are uh, near a Bible, I want you to open up your Bible to 1 Corinthians chapter 6, because it's in 1 Corinthians 6 that we get insight on God's view of suing another brother. Now, the reality um, is, the, the context is another believer It says, when one of you has a dispute over another believer, how dare you, I'm reading from the New Living Translation, how dare you file a lawsuit and ask a secular court to decide the matter instead of taking it to other believers? Don't you realize that someday we believers will judge the world? And since you're going to judge the world, can't you decide even the smallest of things among yourselves? Don't you realize we'll judge angels, so you should surely be able to resolve ordinary disputes in this life? If you have legal disputes about such matters, why do you go outside judges who are not respected by the church? I'm saying this to your shame. Isn't there anyone in all the church who's wise enough to decide these issues? Instead, one believer sues another right in front of unbelievers. So Paul instructs the Corinthian believers not to sue another believer. Christians are to forgive one another and reconcile their own differences. And I know this is hard to hear. Because you're like, wait a minute, I got ripped off for over 1500 bucks, And that's true, you did get ripped off. Uh, and I'm sorry about that. But the, Paul says um, that when things are to be resolved among believers, they need to be resolved within the church. Now, I do have to say that there have been situations in the church here as leadership that we were unable to resolve. Hearts were so hard, uh, sinful habits were so bad that we weren't able to resolve it. I don't believe that 1 Corinthians chapter 6 is an absolute restriction of using the legal system in order to exact some sort of judgment. I don't believe that that the legal system is completely forbidden for the believer, but I do believe we're to enter into it carefully. I do believe that God is allowing us to get ripped off and beat up uh, to test us, uh, to you know, when I mean beat up, I don't, I don't necessarily mean a criminal offense. But what I meant was, you know, being taken advantage of, being lied about, 
uh, being, uh, and, and even if the church is unable to solve it, even even when, and I've seen this, I've, I've experienced it personally, where the Bible couldn't be clearer, but the family finds a pastor or two that agrees with their viewpoint and doesn't believe what the Bible says. And the Bible just, in, and then the pastor in there, whatever their motives are, just emboldens someone to continue in sin. And I'm sorry if that's something you've experienced because that hurts, man. That, that is a hard thing. Uh, that is a very difficult thing, um, especially if it was a pastor you trusted or a pastor you know, or maybe even one that was your friend that just decided to embolden difficult situation. Should Christians take each other to court over church matters? No way. Um, is it, is it a, always a sin to use the court system um, to resolve conflicts? No. It's not always a sin. And so if you do choose to use the court system, you know, obviously if it's an unbeliever, then you don't really have a recourse with the church. So the, law, the legal system's been placed there for you, uh, and 1 Corinthians 6 only applies to believer to believer. But um, is it always a sin to, you know, try to arbitrate, mediate, you know, not necessarily sue them, but try to resolve it within the court system? No, it's not always a sin. Um, you know, it could be that they don't even want to listen to the church anymore, but... At the same time, I have to tell you, this is one of the hardest verses for me personally, um, and maybe it is for you too. It's, a, it's tough. Uh, let me read it to you. Let me find it first. Um, it's, it's, as we, it's, I remember it in the New King James. That's why it wasn't familiar in the New Living. So let me read it to you, 1 Corinthians 6-7 in the New King James. It says, Now therefore it's already an utter failure for you that you go to law against another. Why do you not rather accept wrong? And that's the issue, isn't it? Why won't you accept wrong? I'll tell you why I don't accept wrong, because I don't like to be wronged. I don't like to be taken advantage of. I don't like to be on the other side of inequity. I don't like it when uh, people get away with things. But the word from the Lord is to learn to accept wrong. And he even asked, why won't you rather let yourselves be cheated? Well, for goodness sake, that's almost as that's worse than being wronged, I guess. You know, it's a progressive thing here, but like cheated, I don't want to be cheated. Um, and so I think you need to enter into this wisely, carefully, and if it's another believer, take it to the leadership of their church and see if they might, if, if you're not in the same church, and see if they can't resolve it. 303-690-3000 is the number. 303-690-3000. We're going to go back to the phone lines, and Carlos from Denver. Carlos, welcome to the program. Thank you. You're welcome. I just asked a question about uh, carrying a jewelry on my chest. I've been carrying this cross for years. Okay. It just kind of came to my mind. Is this uh, idolatry? Uh, Is something wrong with it? So let me let me parse that out a little bit. When you when you have that cross uh, around your neck, do you worship it? No. Do you make it more important than worshiping God? No. Then it's not idolatry. This, uh, but but kind of like a reminder yeah. or something that, that I'm I'm proud of for the value of of the sacrifice. Yes. So let me ask you a question though, and I'll tell you something about a a cross that I don't think should be worn. Do you have one of the crosses that are known as a crucifix? No. Because I don't believe 
that a person should wear a crucifix because it's inaccurate and untrue. Jesus is not on the cross anymore. He's Correct. off the cross and ascended into heaven. And I know that is, uh, you know, splitting hairs, if you will, but I personally have a conviction that the crucifix is an inaccurate, it's not even a real accurate representation of Jesus because the Bible says he was so mangled and beat up that you couldn't even recognize him. But most of the crucifixes have this buffed out, strong Jesus with with six-pack abs, uh, with a little bit of, you know, blood on his, on his face, but... Uh, that's not an accurate picture of Jesus. So I don't think wearing a cross is idolatry. I think it can be, but I don't think what you described is. Right. Well, thank you so much for for, uh, for your input on this. You're welcome. Thank you. God bless you, brother. Bye-bye. 303-690-3000. This is very rare that the lines are so quiet today. Um Give us a call, 303-690-3000, 303-690-3000. We don't even have a lot of text questions today. We've had one so far. So text me, 720-336-0897. Call me, 303-690-3000. Now, I'm sure that you are doing this in your church because it's a new year, it's January I'm sure your pastor at least one one Sunday, maybe not every pastor, but most, will take a Sunday and call it Vision Sunday, and they share what the vision is of the church for the year and just what God's put on their heart and what they can see happening. And for us, for the last few years, we've taken the whole month of January to share vision. And our series this year, and really what I believe God is doing in our life is we called it Into Faith We Go. It actually comes from a song. The theme, you know, that title came from a song by a guy by the name of a young man God's using in a huge way. His name is Pat Barrett. And he wrote a song called Into Faith I Go. And I thought, man, that's just been resonating with my heart for a long time now. And and I'm like, no, it's Into Faith We Go. And it's kind of cool because uh, in our church, we're studying through the book of Hebrews verse by verse. And... And in verse by verse, we're in the book of Hebrews chapter 11, and that's the, that's the chapter of faith. And so we've just been studying faith and learning about faith and understanding it better and how does it apply in our lives, and, and it's just so cool. It's so wonderful. And, and if you want to be encouraged in faith, I want to encourage you, go to our website, go to our app, listen to the studies on Into Faith We Go. And I'm finishing up this weekend. It'll be the fourth study. I did three of the studies. My son Joshua did one of the studies. He entitled his Follow the Leader. Very good. I listened to it. It just fits right in line with what God is doing in our church. And and I, I hope in your church, as your pastor's given vision and casting vision, and maybe it's an exciting building project. Maybe it's an exciting missions emphasis. Maybe it's an exciting... Um, whole culture change. I know my brother John just did a culture change in his church, just, just feeling like it was a dramatic change. We've done some huge changes in our church. While we didn't change our culture, we're still very much at Calvary Chapel. We've added things to the heart and intent of being a Calvary Chapel. And I mean, one big thing, we even changed our name. We added the name church into our name. It's pretty cool. So I hope you encourage your pastor uh, and get on board with the vision of your church. Let's Go for it. Let's let's stand in unity together and reach this city, reach this 
area, reach this state, reach this nation. Let's reach this world for the gospel. Let's do it. Let's be faithful in the calling that God's put upon our hearts. And if you need to be stirred up in faith, download our app. That's the best way. We even use our app for a lot of notifications and keeping in contact with you. Uh, Download our app. If you're looking for it, you can just put Calvary Aurora, two words, or you could put Ed Taylor. The app will pop up. It's free. Download it. Turn on notifications. And let's do this together. Let's be strong. Whether you call this your church your home, well, then we're really partnered together. Or you call another local church family your home, we're partnered together in Christ. We're on the same team. Listen, we're on the same team. No church should be in competition with one another. No church should be stealing members from one another. No church should say, oh, I just feel like my calling is to all the hurting, difficult people that are in your church should come to my church. Nobody should. Where is that? What is that? Where's where's the hand of the Holy Spirit on that? We're partnering together, and we should go after the lost, discipling the saved. 303-690-3000 is the number. Of course, now the lines are full, so let's go right over to Ken in Aurora, Colorado. Ken, welcome to the program. Thank you, Pastor Ed. You're welcome. My question for you is, I was reading through Genesis, and uh, I was reading about Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, and uh, and just all the different children that many of our like forefathers had with you know with their wives and then with the servants of the wives yes and they had all these children and so it made me think like okay so um, they were obviously living in sexual sin because that wasn't God's approved way of marriage but you have multiple kids with different women. Correct. And then I was wondering, how does that compare? But it seems like the they were blessed anyway, even as a result of it. Um, and then I was thinking about maybe like the LGBTQ uh, uh-huh. community in terms of what we say, you know, God won't bless that because that's outside of the, you know, it's outside of marriage and it's not, but it seemed that there was sexual sin going on very early on. And it didn't, I don't want to say it didn't affect anything because obviously the the outcome of having kids and and all the different, you know, civilizations that came from it, warring and all that. But it appeared that the fathers were blessed as a result of it anyway, you know. And and I guess I was just trying to see how that correlates or if that's contradictory, I guess. Well, those those are great observations. You know, first of all, we want to make it clear from, sometimes when we're dealing with difficult things, we want to start with, not the difficulty, but the things that are super clear. So let's start there. Number one, you're right. It is absolutely forbidden by God and declared as a sin to have multiple wives. Number two, it's it's absolutely clear uh, and unequivocally um, obvious that, that marriage is defined as one man, one woman, one lifetime, unless death separates them. Uh, unequivocally, we know that the Bible's high uh, ideal is that sexual sin, both fornication and adultery, both in heterosexual and homosexual ways, is sin, and even in other really perverse ways that it's a family show, so I'm not going to name them all, but that sexual sin is forbidden by God. And and all most of the heroes that are mentioned, I mean, all of the heroes that are mentioned in the Bible had sin in their life. Um, obvious sin, um, absolute sin, and yet they they also they also enjoyed the blessing of God at various times in their life. Remember, 
What we receive in the Bible is not a full representation of their life. We don't have the days that they were discouraged. We don't have the days that they were battling. We, don't, we, don't, we only have the highlights of their life because the point of the Bible is to get us to Messiah, right? The, the insights of the, of the Bible are to get us to the Savior of the world. So everything that's shared with a particular man or woman in the Bible uh, is intended to get us, to, to keep us focused toward the coming of Messiah and the forgiveness of sins. So with that in mind, um, is it possible for us today to tell someone that if you choose to live in unrepentant sexual sin, that God not only doesn't approve of that, but doesn't bless that? The answer is, we'll give it to you on the other end. So hold on, you hear the music, and I don't get to do that very often, so I'll answer that on the other end. Hang on with me, okay? I will. All right, we'll be right back. This is Calvary Live with a very good question and observation. We'll be right back. It's a cliffhanger. Welcome back to Calvary Live. Give us a call at 303-690-3000 or text us at 720-336-0897. Let's join Calvary Live right now. Welcome back, everyone, to today's edition of Calvary Live. You're in the second half of the program. My name is Ed Taylor. I'm the pastor here at Calvary Church. And more information on my website, you know, how to connect with me, how to, if you're interested in things that I write, I have a website. It's edtaylor.org. It's E-D-T-A-Y-L-O-R.org. I write on ministry, life, and grief, unfortunately, I, I write on grief because of my own personal experience, um, but I am grateful. On the other hand, it's bittersweet, but I'm grateful to be able to share my experience in Christ with you and point you to the Lord. So you can go to edtaylor.org. If you ever want to email me, you can email me through the website there. And uh, we are launching off on the season number two of my podcast, Lead to Serve, it's L-E-A-D number two, serve. We finished one season already. If you haven't downloaded it yet or subscribed, however you get podcasts, if you get them in, in iTunes, you get them on Spotify, wherever you, I think it's on 14 different podcast platforms. So however you get podcasts, subscribe. And, and if you have listened to our podcast, uh, I'd encourage you go and leave a review uh, because it helps with the uh, algorithm in making it found when people are looking for uh, leadership podcasts and would love so many people have done it already so thank you um, but lead to serve is a personal podcast that I'm entering in we're just about ready to launch season two and I invite you to join along we're going to go back to the phone lines because we left with a little bit of a cliffhanger Ken welcome to the program Thank you. Um, we were asking a series of questions kind of backing up to the question that you asked. And just for those of you that are joining us on the second half, you weren't with us, uh, Ken's question had to do with the multiplicity of wives and sexual sin and how the, the patriarchs and people seem to be uh, blessed by God despite their obvious sin. And how does that relate to a new covenant or a New Testament predic uh, predicament? or situation like we have today, because we live under the new covenant now, and so how does God deal with that? And I started asking the questions, because whenever we're 
dealing with a difficult situation, we want to go back and set the difficulty aside for a second and build up to, well, I know I'm not sure or I'm questioning this part, but what am I absolutely sure? And we are absolutely sure that God defined marriage, one man, one woman, one lifetime. We're absolutely sure that God defined sexual sin. We are, we're, we are actually positively sure that sexual sin is forbidden in the Bible. Um, it's forbidden from the beginning of time, uh, beginning of reveal, the revelation of God to the end of the book of Revelation. And so how does that equate then today to a modern-day issue when it comes to the LGBT community and their attitudes about living in sin? And so I left with the question, uh, Is can we say definitively today that sexual sin is forbidden by, the, by, the, by God, and can we say that it is not a place where God blesses? And the answer to that is yes, we can say that. Not only can we say that uh, definitively, both for homosexual and heterosexual sin, but we can read it uh, in the New Covenant uh, where he, the Bible tells us, he says neither, but, but I want to be careful here, so let's pause one second. It's not just sexual sin that's forbidden. So listen to this list. Neither fornicators, well, first of all, let me start. Do you not know that the unrighteous will not inherit the kingdom of God? Do not be deceived. Neither fornicators, nor idolaters, nor adulterers, nor homosexuals, nor sodomites, nor thieves, nor covetous, nor drunkards, nor revilers, nor extortioners will inherit the kingdom of God. And then he says this to believers. He says, and I love this because it describes my life before I was saved. Some of these things, not all of them, but some of them I was actively involved in. And the Bible says, and such were some of you. So there's a distinction between a person that is born again and the lifestyle that reflects a born-again person and then an unbeliever. There's a clear distinction. And, and so how do we translate that today? Um, I am not in a position, and, and, and so if you came to me as a pastor just after a service, I would look someone in the eye and say, I am not in a position to explain how God dealt with people or how he deals with people now. Um, I'm not, my hands are not clean as a believer. Um, I need the daily, I need to experience the daily forgiveness of God myself. I can say that there's nothing in my life that I know of, like consciously, that I am willingly living in, rebelling against God, that I'm willingly sinning. I have no sexual sin in my life, but that doesn't mean I'm a clean man. Like I don't have clean hands. I'm a sinner um, daily. Um, you know, I get angry, I get frustrated, I, I worry, you know, probably the biggest thing that I worry a lot. I'm so, I, I worry about things and I wonder about things and, and I get frustrated with God because things aren't solved. I'm, like, so I, I share this with someone that would come to me and say, I'm, it's not that I have clean hands, but I can say definitively what the Bible teaches. And I can say this, Abraham, Isaac, Jacob, even though they made very horrible, difficult decisions, sinful decisions, we, we know that they experienced the blessing of God, but not because of their perfection. Nobody experiences the blessings of God for, by their perfection. Only God only blesses 
by his grace. Because even if we were sinless, which we're not, God's under no obligation to bless us. And that would be how I'd start that discussion. Um, do you have a follow-up thought? No, that makes that makes perfect sense. Um, yeah, that makes perfect sense. One of the things that I struggle with as a Christian is that I was uh, raised in a home that was very legalistic. And yes. so I know I kind of default to a legalist approach, and I see the negative as opposed to the positive. Yeah. You know, of kind of what what should have been done. You know, as opposed to what what God is doing with with grace and and with mercy. And so, I, I really do appreciate that. Uh, that answers my question. Let me um, let me recommend a book to you uh, on the topic of grace that can add some seeds into your life. Um, it's by uh, Pastor Chuck Smith, who's gone home to be with the Lord. Um, but, yes. But he's introduced. You know, the ministry at Calvary were very uh, grace oriented, grace centered. Um, the blood of Jesus Christ, the new covenant changes all things. And this entry level book on the grace of God will just bless you and sow seeds of grace. I think you might even be able to get it if you have an iPad. I think it used to be free on iBooks. So you want to check there first, but it's called okay. Why Grace Changes Everything. Okay. And it's a very simple introductory book uh, because Pastor Chuck also came from a very legalistic background. He, he was raised in what's known as the holiness movement, and it was a very legalistic way that he was raised until he was so much so that he felt convicted every time he touched a cigarette butt. Like, he would pick up cigarette butts in the parking lot, and he would feel convicted by touching that because he was told his whole life to stay away from cigarettes. And, and, and he knew it wasn't a sin, and he knew it wasn't wrong, and he was just picking up the trash, but that was a... That was something he dealt with for a long time. That's interesting because that's the same denomination I was brought up in, so yeah. I, I can relate. So for him, it was the four squares. Is that where you were brought up in? Uh, not necessarily the four squares, but definitely holiness, yeah. Pentecostal, yep. uh, Church of God in Christ. Okay. I mean, that yes. whole... Uh, and you yeah. know, the, the thing is, is that the intentions and motives are actually very good. Um, who yeah. doesn't want to be holy, and who doesn't want to be closer to God, and who doesn't want to forsake sin? But you hit it on the head. You can approach that. You can approach that path by acknowledging the work of God in you and surrendering to Him, or you can approach that that path with a list of rules and regulations. And you know, with any rule and regulation, you need an enforcer. You need a policeman. Uh, you need somebody to make sure everybody's following the rules. And it's just so corrupting inside of us because God's intention is to live his life through us. And this pathway of grace will... And, and I think that on top of that, on top of the issue of just grace and legalism, is the sense that we have to n not only know what we believe, but know why we believe it. Because this topic in ministering to people in the LGBT community, it's a. we were just talking about it today as a team, um, we we need to understand how to bridge the gap with somebody that's either, you know, let's just say they're, because a lot of people get kind of pigeonholed or they get stereotyped, like like a person wrestling with these feelings or whatever is like the movement, the political movement, their political arm that's just, you know, militant. But, you know, most people aren't militant. Most people are just trying to live life daily and... Uh, we need to learn how to bridge gaps with people and, and not be so hyper-judgmental forgetting where we were. You know, homosexuality wasn't an issue ever in my life, 
but sexual sin was. I mean, yeah. I I was in bondage to sexual sin. I was I was making and I, I mean uh, to alcohol and drugs and all these other things. Like so, I I have I have a a compassion. I don't approve of sin. I'm I'm not taking God's place. I don't approve of it, but I want to be empathetic because man, they'll never hear the gospel unless they trust me and listen to me and yelling at people and being hypercritical and judgment judgmental to them doesn't open the door because it's going to take some time to get through the walls, just like anyone really, but to get through the walls of where a person is. If they didn't get there overnight, I promise you that. Yes. And okay. it's going to take, it, it takes time to lay back um, the layers, to, to pull back the layers. Um, and I want to find that fine line. And Pastor Chuck taught us this. Um, and I don't know if he taught us in that book, but all of us have studied through the Bible from Genesis to Revelation with Pastor Chuck Smith. And one of the things he taught us, he says, if if I'm going to err, if I'm going to make an error, I want to err on the side of grace. Mm-hmm. And, you know, we're going to make a lot of mistakes, a lot of errors, but if we can learn to be gracious and if we can learn to be generous and we can learn to let God sort out some of the, the nuances of sinful behaviors. Like we can, we, you know, we can, we can talk to a, someone that's in sin and not approve of that sin and not be sinning ourselves. And Jesus showed us that, right? Because that's all he dealt with. Here's a perfect God in human flesh dealing with sinners all the time. And he didn't compromise. And yet he gave us the model of how best to deal with people that are stuck. And I think you're, the way you phrase your question is super appropriate because this is going to happen more and more. And if we have believers as well, you know, because the Bible says so. And then they come back with all these questions. You're like, well, I don't know. I just know the Bible says so. You know, <laughs> listen, it isn't going to, you're not going to be an effective tool. I know what the Bible says, but can you humanly and lovingly deliver it in such a way where people will receive not just the message, but God's heart and intent of why why did he prov- why did he make why did he declare sexual sin a s- sexual sin sin like why is it just he wants to make us feel miserable and doesn't want us to experience love no he knows he knows the damage he knows the destruction he knows he he knows better than most of us the full destruction that sexual sin brings and and anyway that's probably another discussion all the while but I want to commend you on how you frame that question because it's really framing in such a way where you're learning how to connect with people that yeah maybe we don't agree with their behavior but 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 we want to help them and even keep the dialogue open we may not be the one that convinces them but I'm not here to convince anyone I'm just here to talk yes well thank you pastor that, that means a lot to me uh I'm definitely going to continue to you know, to pray on it and, <clears throat> excuse me, and, uh, yeah, and, and to try to be an effective uh, man of God. You yes. Know? You know, there's an, another um, there's another book on this, kind of on this topic. It's from a brother. His name is Miles McPherson. Okay. And he's kind of talking about racial divides because it's very similar in the in the sense of, you know, it's either left or right, yes or no, one or two. And the, the title of the book is called The Third Option. And yeah. the topic of it is from the context of, of you know, there, there's another, it's really on the racial divide in the church today, but, but what I love about it, 
what I really appreciated, and you know, I've known Miles McPherson for many, many, many years. Uh, since then, he's you know he's the pastor of a multi mega church throughout San Diego and around the world. Um, and and he was at a conference a couple years ago. I went to, and he shared the first chapter of his book. But one of the things it's not, I I not only wanted to learn about the racial divide and how I can be better navigating that with the gospel. So he did an amazing job. But I also read books to learn the principles and the thinking of someone, because if I can learn the principles and thinking, I can apply it in any context. And there's a third option with this issue of the LGBT community. You know, it's like avoid them or not like them. No, there's a third option, and that's to love them. Yes. Oh, well, this is great. I've written out both, uh, <clears throat> both books, and... Uh... I'll definitely incorporate that into my uh, my studies. Yeah, call me back. Let me know how it goes. Maybe there's some follow-ups or questions that, because I know this is a valuable question for the audience, too, as we navigate through the difficulties um, of our culture, because that's the gospel permeates culture. That's the that's the key. we got to keep the gospel at the forefront, not the culture. Yes, yes. Well, thank you so much, Pastor. God bless you. All right, God bless. Bye-bye. 303-690-3000, Vanessa in Centennial, Colorado. Welcome to the program. Hi, Pastor. Thanks for having me. You're welcome. Um, so my question, um, you just mentioned um, finding allowing the gospel to permeate in our culture, and that's, that kind of segues into my question. Okay. Uh, last, last night, um, I had a friend um, that was explaining her incident with her interaction with a woman at a medical, an all-natural medical clinic, and she was sharing that her, her spirit um, felt very uneasy around another woman, and she felt maybe the spirit of evil, Okay. right? Yeah. And so um, she was explaining this to us. We had two of, she had two friends with us that were non-believers, um, so they were, they were almost teasing her, um, and, it, and so she kept going on and talking about, you know, um, just going in depth about the situation, and so me um, growing up in the church, uh, it, obviously I'm very um, aware that there's a spiritual realm, yes. um, but I guess I just didn't know how to cut through the conversation, and it almost felt like I I didn't feel like I needed to add anything because it felt like it would have turned more into a debate, but I also, um, I guess I just didn't know, and, and I just kind of felt bad because I didn't, at that point, I felt like they don't have a point of contact if they don't know who Jesus is, right, and if they don't have faith, you know, talking about evil spirits, I feel like that might be more harmful to bringing them to Christ. Um, so I just didn't know how to turn the conversation around. I didn't say anything for right. fear that it would turn into a debate. Sure, but I guess I just don't <clears throat> know. Um, I I have I run into those situations a lot where um, people in this day and age make fun of Jesus and. It's like, is it worthwhile to engage with those with people with those people that maybe their hearts aren't as open to receiving? Well, that's a great gospel. question because I think that there's some nuances to that in relation, you know, different levels of that. And my first thought, as you pose that question, is it really depends on the level of relationship you have with someone, right? The higher mm-hmm. the relationship, the higher the engagement, because yeah. you've already got some time and testing together, you've been through some things. So the higher level of relationship is the higher level of engagement. Now, of course, Jesus said, um, as we recall this, 
um, the higher level of relationship and engagement, Jesus reminds us that a prophet's without honor uh, is, is without honor except in his own country. Like, like the, there, there's a difficulty with our families. They're, the people that we're closest to actually become the hardest ones to reach. Um, and, mm-hmm. and they may not, they, it depends, you know, they, they might know your past. They might, um, it, it just seemed Jesus had problems with his family and he's warning us we're going to have problems with our family. But another thing to consider is, is that we are, in our engagement with the culture, uh, we are going to be used in our own personality, so you won't become somebody that you aren't. You're going to be given the words that you need if, should you choose to engage. Jesus, when he was sending out his disciples, he said, don't worry about what you're going to say because uh, you'll receive what, you need to, what, what you're going to need to say when you need it, like it'll come to you then. And... And then the type of engagement, you know, when I think of this question, I think of like your friend, is is talking about the demonic realm the best bridge or the best the best starting point? And you know, the answer to that is sometimes yes, sometimes no. It depends on the person. Um, mm-hmm. And maybe the best engagement point is not our own personal experiences, but rather the best engagement point is to meet someone where they're at. And so for the mockers and the, I, I, I personally like to engage the mockers um, because they're just expressing, they're, they're really mockery and, and um, what's another, not, not just mockery, but um, sarcasm. Those are just defense mechanisms that try to keep a person at a distance. And, and while I have no desire to argue with anyone, the Bible makes it clear, avoid foolish and ignorant disputes that lead to nothing. So if, if that's what it is, then I'm going to avoid it. I don't, uh, even our show here, we've, we've created a show where other Bible answer shows invite argumentation and, you know, news radio. We're not doing that. We're going to, we're not, we're not going to do that here. So you can call another show for that. And, and, Mm -hmm. and so you do want to find that line where you go, no, I'm going to avoid this argument, but I also want to engage. And, and I find that the people that are mocking uh, a good follow-up question is, what is it about Jesus that got to, that has you so upset? Mm, yeah, and just kind of taking it off, you know. Instead of, I, and I haven't always been good at this, and I'm still not always good at it. But I think earlier as a new believer, I was really bad, where I just argued to the point where maybe even I I beat the other person up with my words and and try to convince them, and and maybe I'd even walk away winning the argument, but I lost the person, I lost the opportunity, and I've had to mm-hmm. learn over the years. That, that, that my whole purpose is to be a seed planter, right? I want to get a seed of truth to them. Or I might be a waterer of a seed that you planted in them, but I know it's only God that gives the increase. So the whole point is for someone to listen to me. Um, I hope that they change in front of me. I hope that I'm the one that God uses. I want to see it and be a part of it, but I realize that I'm not always that one. And and the people that mock God, they don't. the people that, that want to be... Uh, the people that genuinely are not trying to pick a fight, I want to engage. If you want to pick a fight, I, I'm not interested in fighting. But if you really want to engage a real conversation, even if I don't agree with you and we leave disagreeing, I still would love to talk about it. Okay. And yeah. you got to be selective. You know, it's like, although I, I don't know that um, I would share a demonic experience or because, you know, people would, would, uh, you know, listening to what you described, it almost makes it sound like we're being hyper judgmental of this woman when we're just simply trying to experience what we sensed 
And even then, we're not even sure if we were right or wrong. It was just the atmosphere there, you know? It's, mm-hmm. And so for an unbeliever, that's going to be really hard because all they're going to interpret is, oh, you're a know-it-all, and oh, you're God, and you can figure things out, and you just know when the devil's in people. You know, it just, it, it's better yeah. to say, how was your day-to-day? And uh, it's better to meet people where they're at rather than force them to meet us where we're at. Yeah, yeah. Um. Okay, yeah, that was my question. I just didn't know how to, like, diffuse the situation because I felt like it was kind of going south, um, and she was very passionate about her interaction. Well, I can... articulating it. So then I would do so something I like this. If you it all happen. Like, I don't know what to do. <laughs> well, if you had the opportunity... So, so a possibility in that, that particular conversation you described is you could say... You could jump in, you know, because if they allow you in, you could jump in, and you could say something... Because you want to redirect it. So the whole point is redirecting, right? You want to change the topic you want to take people and hopefully they'll follow you in another direction and you could say you could you could uh, you know insert yourself again it could be hostile in there so it could be too late but like you know I had something similar um, I had something similar and it'd have to be a real situation I had something similar happen to me but I had a whole different outcome it wasn't what I thought I started to talk to the person and, you know, again, or maybe take them to a yeah. Bible story. And, I, you know, that reminds me of a story in the Bible when Jesus was faced with a very difficult situation. And I remember how he diffused it. And the, and you're just like asking the Lord to give you insight on a, on a time when he did diffuse mm-hmm. someone or like, yeah, there was a time in the Bible where I read, a, it's crazy. It's such a crazy story. You know, you're kind of diffusing even their accusations. It's like, I remember this time when Jesus was walking through and this guy was so out of his mind that the city didn't want him. And they didn't want anything to do him, so they put him out in the middle of nowhere and chained him in a cave. I mean, imagine being so oppressed by difficulties that he. But Jesus came to him, and then you could say, you know, people do—they are oppressed, um, whether they're a believer and you know, whether they go to church or not, they're oppressed. And and you know, yeah. again, depending on if they're following you, it's like, don't you guys feel yeah. oppressed sometimes? Don't you feel misunderstood? Have you ever felt like somebody put you, threw you to the caves and and right away that changes the whole direction and you would do it in your own way of course but mm-hmm. that changes the whole direction and puts it back to a real life experience that we know the outcome and then connects mm-hmm. it with some experiences they have everyone's felt oppressed before everyone's felt isolated everyone has and and I mean everyone I, I might be a little hyperbole there maybe not every yeah. single person but like most people have had experiences in the spiritual realm. Most people realize they're eternal beings. Most people, even unbelievers, want to get into things they shouldn't be getting into, like magic eight balls and Ouija boards. And they, Why? Because they want to hear from the spirits. And most people watch weird television shows. And so there are so many ways to connect with someone that, they're, that they, too, believe in the spiritual realm. They just don't believe it the way God describes it. Yeah. Okay. That's good. Okay. Thank you. That was good to process. Thank you. Let me give you one more picture that, that, um, is important. And, and I like to, uh, this is something I try to keep in my mind because a lot of people email me. A lot of people talk to me. A lot of people, I get to serve a lot of people and, and I need to picture them one of two ways. Um, I need to either picture them as, you know, this is a person I can put my arm around and walk with. I want to walk with them as I talk to them. I, I, we're, this is a journey that we're going to be on, and it's going to be more than a three-minute um, answer after a service. You know, I'm going to want to 
walk them through what I have to explain to them is going to be a little bit harder. And so in my mind, I picture them as, hey, I'm going to put my arm around you. We're going to walk side by side on a journey. And that's most people. And, and so that means I'm not going to be so confrontive. I'm going to be a better listener. I'm going to say less and listen more, right? Like James said. And most mm-hmm. people, it works. Just let them talk it out. I don't have to answer every issue they say. I don't have to argue with them. I don't have to correct them. Say whatever you want to say. But there are on occasion yeah. people that I don't want to walk with that I need to be with them face to face. I'm not talking to them side to side. I need to be with them face to face. I need to confront them. I need to stop them. I need to correct them in the moment. That actually is very rare, but I have to do it on occasion. But I have to say, for anyone listening in and for you, Vanessa, in particular, like I, I'm sure you've recognized this. Most Christians do it the opposite. They think they need to confront everybody, correct everyone, get in their face, and it just doesn't work. And they very few people want to take the time to walk with someone on the long journey of helping them understand Jesus. And we just need to be careful. Most situations don't require a face-to-face, in-your-face, stop-you-correct-you. Most of the time, it's going to take an investment of time, both in prayer and in preparation and in literally being with them. And those are two things that I really I really want to keep in mind. Because mm-hmm. in Jude, you can read, some people you pull from the fire, other people... Um, you know, and that's radical, but other people you can just speak to. And mm-hmm. and I love that. I think that believers, we just, man, we get so caught up in in ideals and, and pet doctrines, and, and we get so passionate about things that we forget about the model that Jesus, and the only people Jesus was really mean with were hypocritical religious people. Mm-hmm. So you hear the music. Got to go. Thanks for your call. Thank you, Pastor. Hey, sorry, everyone. Uh, We had full lines eventually in a lot of text. So thank you. We didn't get to them all. Uh, But we'll be here tonight, 7 o'clock, studying the book of Daniel. I really like the way the show went today. Very informative. Very helpful. Thank you for letting me be a very small part of the big, big, huge work that God's doing in your life. See you tonight at service. Join us here or online at calvaryco.church. Calvary Tune in next time. Can't hear me anymore. And God's word.